0: Back to Basics 2.0, Surgical Smoke Safety, by Lisa Spruce. During the past five years, dissemination of information on the health hazards of surgical smoke has helped perioperative nurses and members of the public increase their awareness of the topic. Surgical smoke contains ultrafine particles, a variety of toxic gaseous compounds, for example, benzene, formaldehyde, cyanide, bioaerosols, dead and live cellular material, and viral DNA. Additionally, surgical smoke may contain mycobacteria and non-viable particles known as lung-damaging dust measuring between 0.5 and 5 micrometers. According to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, many perioperative professionals are exposed to surgical smoke that may contain mutagenic particles. As a result, perioperative personnel may experience upper respiratory irritation, and OSHA emphasizes that employers should have knowledge of the effects of surgical smoke exposure and advise employees of the hazards. AORN is leading efforts across the country to enact laws that will require facilities to implement policies that address surgical smoke and eliminate this dangerous exposure. As of August 26, 2021, governors of five states – Rhode Island, Colorado, Kentucky, Oregon, and Illinois – have signed laws addressing surgical smoke. In addition, legislators have introduced surgical smoke bills in Connecticut, Georgia, Iowa, New Jersey, Ohio, and Texas. This article reviews some strategies for creating a smoke-free perioperative environment based on the recently revised AORN Guideline for Surgical Smoke Safety. To protect the health of patients and team members, perioperative nurses should review and adhere to the revised guideline in its entirety. Practice Point A Smoke-Free Environment In addition to the health benefits of a smoke-free environment, highly skilled perioperative team members may be attracted to facilities whose leaders prioritize the health and well-being of employees. Therefore, a smoke-free environment may help organization leaders hire and retain highly skilled staff members. Perioperative leaders should commit to surgical smoke safety in their facilities and may benefit from securing support from administrators to promote compliance with smoke evacuation policies and procedures and provide the necessary resources, for example, Equipment, Supplies, Financing, to do so. Additionally, OSHA requires employers to provide employees with a work setting that is, quote, free from recognized hazards that are causing or are likely to cause death or serious physical harm, end quote. When developing a surgical smoke safety program, perioperative personnel should incorporate the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health's NIOSH, Hierarchy of Controls, a systematic approach to help identify the most effective method for preventing staff member exposure. From most effective to least effective, the hierarchy includes Elimination, Substitution, Engineering Controls, Administrative Controls, and Personal Protective Equipment, PPE. Although complete elimination of surgical smoke is the most effective strategy, it may be difficult to accomplish. Therefore, additional measures, such as protecting staff members with PPE in conjunction with implementing policies, procedures, and education activities using smoke evacuators and verifying the appropriate number of total air exchanges per hour, can help limit surgical smoke exposure. Room ventilation alone is not sufficient to eliminate the contaminants present in surgical smoke, and NIOSH recommends using two methods of control, for example, ventilation-smoke evacuation, to regulate airborne contamination. Additionally, perioperative teams should evaluate surgical energy devices and choose those that will produce the least surgical smoke. Practice Point Surgical Smoke Evacuation Because all perioperative team members may experience adverse health effects related to surgical smoke, decisions on surgical smoke evacuation should be based on input from the entire perioperative team rather than a single individual. Facility leaders should appoint an interdisciplinary team of representatives from a variety of departments. For example, nursing, anesthesia, infection prevention, facilities, materials management, as well as surgeons, to make purchasing decisions for surgical smoke safety equipment. To avoid hazards associated with inhaling surgical smoke, for example, respiratory, chemical, biological, carcinogenic, perioperative team members should evacuate all surgical smoke. Because repeated exposure to surgical smoke may have a cumulative effect, NIOSH recommends using a surgical smoke evacuation system to reduce exposure and associated health risks. AORN recommends use of an inline particulate filter that is 99.999% effective. For example, ultra-low particulate air, (ULPA) filter, to capture very small particles present in surgical smoke. Perioperative personnel should adhere to manufacturers' instructions for use of smoke evacuator systems and accessories. To capture all smoke, personnel should place the smoke evacuation capture device and tubing as close to the smoke generation site as possible, with the device tipped no more than two inches from the surgical site. Because of the risks of surgical smoke exposure to patients, for example, absorption and excretion of byproducts, port site metastasis, and resultant reduced visibility of anatomy, perioperative team members should implement smoke evacuation during minimally invasive procedures. As a response to concerns related to aerosolization and subsequent virus transmission during open, laparoscopic, and endoscopic procedures during the coronavirus disease 2019 pandemic, the Society of American Gastrointestinal and Endoscopic Surgeons published guidance for smoke and gas evacuation and recommended the use of filters during minimally invasive surgery and endoscopy. Personnel can use either a high-efficiency particulate air filter that has a minimum efficiency rating of 99.7% for removing particles greater than or equal to 0.3 micrometers in diameter or an ULPA filter that removes a minimum of 99.999% of airborne particles. Perioperative teams also should implement recommendations from the Society of American Gastrointestinal and Endoscopic Surgeons to filter smoke and particles. These recommendations include 1. Evacuating the pneumoperitoneum with a filtration device at the port site, when the pneumoperitoneum is no longer needed. For example, trocar removal, specimen removal. 2. Avoiding the venting of ports after placement. 3. Closing ports before disconnecting tubing if relocation of the port is necessary. 4. Capturing all escaping insufflation gas and smoke with an ULPA filtration system during desufflation. 5 using the desupplation mode on the insupplator, if available. 6. Closing the valve on the working port before turning off the insufflation gas to prevent pushing contaminated intra-abdominal gas into the insupplator when the intraabdominal pressure is higher than the insufflator pressure. 7. Placing the patient in a horizontal position and desupplating the abdomen from the port located at the highest point on the abdomen. 8 removing specimens after evacuating the abdomen of insufflation gas and smoke. 9. Using surgical drains only when absolutely necessary. 10. Avoiding suture closure devices that allow leaking of insufflation gas. 11. Closing the fascia after desufflation. 12. Avoiding hand-assisted surgery until after desufflating the abdomen. Although use of PPE is not a replacement for surgical smoke evacuation, it can provide secondary protection against residual surgical smoke. When using this lowest level of control, personnel should wear a NIOSH-approved FIT-tested surgical N95 respirator to provide respiratory protection and help prevent inhalation of surgical smoke. Practice Point Education, Policy Development, and Compliance. After an interdisciplinary team creates or revises a surgical smoke safety program, leaders and educators should provide information on the initiative to all perioperative team members. The education activities should include 1. The definition of surgical smoke and its health effects on patients and healthcare personnel. 2. Sources of surgical smoke and ways to manage smoke during specific procedures. 3. The relationships between particle size and the speeds and distances that particles travel. 4. Instructions for testing and using smoke evacuation equipment. and 5. Instructions, including standard precautions, for decontaminating and disposing of smoke evacuation equipment after a procedure. The AORN Go Clear Award Program recognizes smoke-free facilities and includes resources for implementation and education on smoke evacuation. The program provides a comprehensive approach to promoting a smoke-free environment and protecting patients and personnel when teams must use smoke-generating equipment. This interdisciplinary program includes 1 pre-tests, education modules, and post-tests on surgical smoke safety, two, a gap analysis, and three, monitoring for compliance. Before reviewing the online education modules, all participants complete a pretest test to evaluate their existing knowledge of surgical smoke, including its hazards and evacuation methods. Program leaders perform a gap analysis to identify compliance with metrics for surgical smoke evacuation, for example, number of procedures for which staff members use smoke evacuators, availability of smoke evacuators, use of filters and tubing. The short online education modules comprise didactic content with narrated explanations, diagrams, and knowledge review questions. Participants complete a final test after finishing all of the modules. Facility leaders can use data from the gap analysis to guide product evaluations and subsequent purchase of any needed smoke evacuation equipment and supplies. Perioperative leaders should develop surgical smoke safety policies and procedures and include policy information in staff member education activities. The policies and procedures should include direction on 1. Evacuating surgical smoke 2. Selecting smoke evacuators and supplies based on the type of procedure 3. Using ALPA filters for smoke evacuators or the medical surgical vacuum system 4. Placing the smoke capture device as close to the surgical site as possible 5. Activating the smoke evacuator when generating surgical smoke 6. Evacuating surgical smoke during minimally invasive procedures. 7. Using standard precautions when decontaminating or disposing of smoke evacuator equipment and supplies. 8. Using respiratory PPE as secondary protection from surgical smoke. 9. Converting suction tubing with an inline filter to a smoke evacuator for larger amounts of surgical smoke. And 10. 10. Participating in required education and competency verification. Perioperative team members should adhere to facility policies and procedures, and leaders should monitor compliance with smoke safety initiatives in the practice area. Conclusion Surgical smoke is a workplace hazard that can negatively affect patients and healthcare personnel. Perioperative leaders should cultivate a smoke free environment develop surgical smoke evacuation policies, and collaborate with facility leaders to identify and obtain resources to reduce surgical smoke. Although complete elimination of smoke is optimal, usually two lesser controls, for example, smoke evacuator use, increasing the total number of air exchanges per hour, PPE, are necessary. When using smoke evacuators to eliminate all surgical smoke, including during minimally invasive procedures. Perioperative personnel should adhere to the manufacturer's instructions for use. In addition, all perioperative personnel should complete required education and competency verification activities and adhere to applicable smoke evacuation policies. This Back to Basics 2.0 article contains three knowledge checks I will now read the first knowledge check for the practice point, a smoke-free environment. Perioperative staff members are developing a strategy to eliminate surgical smoke exposure in a surgical suite with 10 ORs. The leadership team comprising perioperative managers, anesthesia professionals, and surgeons supports the initiative. Dr. B. volunteers to serve as the surgeon champion and lead the improvement team. Dr. B. asks Lacey, a perioperative RN, Sal, a surgical technologist, and Dr. R., an anesthesiologist, to participate. The improvement team meets and uses the NIOSH hierarchy of controls to create a plan to decrease surgical smoke. Dr. B. recommends performing surgery without using a smoke-generating device. The team members agree that this would be the ideal situation but they are concerned that it may not be possible during some procedures. Dr. B. amends his recommendation to avoid the devices when possible and to provide educational presentations to perioperative personnel and surgeons on the dangers of surgical smoke and mitigation methods. Dr. R. recommends increasing the number of total air exchanges per hour and states that this engineering control will prevent surgical smoke in the OR, without the need for additional action. Lacey recommends implementation of a surgical smoke evacuation system in addition to increasing the total air exchanges. She believes that combining two lesser controls will be the most effective strategy if the hazard cannot be eliminated. Sal agrees with Lacey and recommends updating the policies and procedures to require two methods of control. As an extra level of control... He also suggests including continued use of PPE in the updated policy. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Dr. R B. Dr. B C. Lacey or D. Sal I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Dr. R. did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the second knowledge check for the practice point, Surgical Smoke Evacuation. Although the materials manager stocks smoke evacuators and accessories, some perioperative personnel do not evacuate surgical smoke during procedures. As a perioperative team prepares for a breast reduction, Dr. X, the surgeon, observes Eugene, the RN circulator, enter the OR with the smoke evacuator and accessories. Dr. X immediately exclaims, I'm not using that. It makes too much noise. Dante, the anesthesia professional, also observes Eugene and adds, Dr. X, this procedure is going to generate quite a large amount of surgical smoke. I would prefer that you use the smoke evacuator. Maisie, the surgical technologist, acknowledges that the smoke evacuator is cumbersome and noisy, but says she also believes that it would be best to use the device for the breast reduction procedure. Eugene, who has been listening to the conversation, speaks up and says, The decision to evacuate surgical smoke is not a one-person decision. It is a decision that we all should make because all of us will be exposed and may experience potential health effects from the smoke. I constantly have sinus infections, and I think it's because of my daily exposure to surgical smoke. Dr. X, can we please use it today and then work on obtaining an evacuator that's easier to use and quieter than this one? Dr. X replies, Well, I think all of you should just wear an N95 respirator rather than trying to evacuate smoke. Dante replies, Although I plan to wear one today, respiratory protection with an N95 respirator is not as effective as smoke evacuation. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Maisie B. Eugene C. Dante or D. Dr. X I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Dr. X did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the third and final knowledge check for the practice point. Education, Policy Development, and Compliance Damien, a surgical technologist, and Michelle, an RN circulator, are preparing to care for a patient undergoing laser ablation of cervical tissue at a teaching facility in early July. As part of the application process for the Go Clear Award, all staff members successfully completed the designated education activities and reviewed the revised smoke evacuation policy. The facility received a gold-level award in March. The revised policy includes information on smoke evacuation, including when to use a smoke evacuator and where team members should place the smoke-capturing device. Michelle brings the smoke evacuator to the OR, and Damien opens the sterile tubing and capturing device. After preparing the OR, Michelle transports the patient from the preoperative area and helps her onto the OR bed. Michelle assists with induction and positioning before performing surgical skin antisepsis. Dr. M., the gynecologist, and Dr. E., who just began her gynecology fellowship at the facility on July first, entered the OR after completing surgical hand antisepsis. Dr. E. mentions that she has not participated in a laser procedure at this facility and asks Dr. M if he will use the smoke evacuator. Dr. M assures Dr. E that smoke evacuator use is common at this facility, which has been nationally recognized for its smoke-free environment. Dr. M asks Dr. E if she has completed the required education on smoke evacuation. Dr. E answers affirmatively, but also mentions that she may have forgotten some of the content amid all of the onboarding paperwork and online requirements for the fellowship. All team members wear N95 respirators for secondary protection throughout the ablation. During the procedure, Dr. M. frequently notices a vertical smoke plume rising from the surgical site and the capturing device several inches away from the surgical site he repeatedly requests that Damien hold the smoke evacuator as close as possible to the site. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Michelle B. Dr. E C. Damien or D. Dr. M I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Damien did not follow the recommended practice point.